Welcome to NG Church Network Podcast. We are capturing stories of strength, encouragement and comfort as we pursue spirit-led lives. Okay, Marion, great to have you with us. Give us a really brief overview of the King's Village, everything you've pioneered in the last 20 years. Okay. Many people know the story, but not everybody. What's happened yes. in the last 20 years? Well, I think it's grown out of everything that we would have thought. So that's been wonderful. We started with two classrooms in a school uh, for four and five-year-olds. That was in 2003. Um, then in the first year, one of the children sadly died and we realised the need for a hospital. So our friend who was a doctor looked into the, the feasibility of starting a hospital. And in 2006, we were able to open the hospital. You said um, your friend, was that a Ghanaian friend? Yes, that's Dr. Felicia. Okay, yeah. yeah. So she, she really pioneered the hospital from those early days. And first of all, it, she was the only doctor and it was open like eight till five. And then gradually we've been able to add so many other things to it, wards, a theater, pharmacy, laboratory, nutrition center, um, and recently a maternity unit. Um, so the school now, we've had 10 years of children who've actually gone on to senior high school, have passed their basic education certificate. So that's fantastic. And our recent batch, they've just gone to senior high school just now. So that's great. Um, we also have the Nutrition Centre, which started in 2008, which Terry and Anna helped us to set up. And we've seen probably over 10,000 children being treated there and going on to live healthy lives, which is wonderful to see. Um, our most recent project started two years ago, and that is the assessment unit. Um, and we partnered with um, IJM, which is International Justice Mission in the USA. Um, and there we look after children who've been trafficked and give them a safe place, send them to school, give them health education, bring them to church. And then the social welfare and IJM trace their families and when it's safe for them to go home, they manage to send them home. But some are with us for up to a year, which is amazing. We can really do a lot to help them in that time. Um, so a lot of different things. We've also been doing a lot of church planting and evangelism over the years. And in Lumbunga, we have another school, Tehila School which is growing. <laughs> so if I was going to bullet point that, you're educating over 500 children on yes. a daily basis. You've got a hospital with 80 uh, inpatients and 80 to 100 outpatients yep. every day. You've got a maternity facility that's seeing how many babies born? About 100 every month. About 100 every yes. month at the moment. Yeah. Uh, how many children have you rescued or played your part in rescuing from trafficking? 60 up up to date 60 up to date yeah, over the last couple of years six at the moment yeah. yeah uh church so you've planted a church so you've got a church at the king's we village have a church. and you've established other churches yes we we do village plants um at Lungbunga, we've been going into various villages there and in the overseas area to singer and shaney and you know more remote communities and then also we've been going to villages just near King's Village where some of our children come from, where there's no church, like Wuba and Palsogu. We've been going into plant churches there yes. too. You say over the sea, you don't mean that, do you? It's a river that's oh, nearby. Yeah, they call it overseas because the white vulture is there and you have to go on a canoe across the water to get there. Yes. And but... it floods in rainy season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the only thing I don't think you mentioned, you've got a mental health facility as well. We have, yes. Yeah. And public health. So the mental health facility 
we don't detain people. They come, they get their treatment, they go home, and then we do a lot of public education with their families and communities to accept them and to ensure that they come back for their medicines at the right time. We have a lot of people who have epilepsy and the important thing is they continue taking their medicine and then they'll, they'll remain healthy. Yes. People can find out whatever they want about the King's Village, tkvg.org.uk. If you want to find out more, sponsor a child, donate or come and visit, all the details are there. Let's talk a little bit uh, more about what you've seen and, and how God's impacted you. Give us a couple of stories of where God, because people have stood with you and yes. have been generous and, of course, were really grateful. But you've seen the hand of God at work yes, in the establishment. Yes, I really have. So yes. give us a couple of stories where, to you, you're absolutely convinced that God was integral to answering some prayers. Yes, I mean, for our, our children at the school, they start when they're four years old. Most of them are from families that are illiterate. Their parents haven't been to school. They're farmers. And it's a miracle to actually see them develop and grow, learn to read and do really well in their education. And one of them in particular, I'm thinking about, he's called Josiah and he's from a village called Kushibu. He was the first person in that village to ever go to university. And he went all the way from our, through our school from four up to 15 and then went on to senior high school and has gone to a really good uh, Lagon University near Accra and is studying business. So, I mean, that would never have happened without our school being there. And it opens up a lot of opportunities for his community and for his family as well. Yes. So that, that's a miracle. How big's his village? What village did you say he was from? Kushibu. Okay, yes. Yes, yeah, it's quite big. I mean, probably about 5,000 people. Yes. Yeah. And it's a long route. They have to cycle across the dam wall all the way to school, which is about three miles every day. And he's the first person from their village to go to university? Yes, he is, yeah. And the whole village now, I guess, do they? They do, yeah, yeah. That, that's why they want to send more children to our school. Yes. Yeah, which is good. Tell us about another answer to prayer. Another answer is one of our uh, guys, he's been coming to church for a while. Sadly, he was widowed, um, but he decided he would continue coming to our church. He's a man who has epilepsy. So he comes to our mental health unit and we have to ensure that he takes his medicine. But because he lives on his own, not many people are checking on him. And one time he got really, really sick and he had a, a fit and he rolled in the fire, he burned himself. And they brought him into the, our emergency ward. And I mean, really, we thought he was going to die because he was so sick and he was non-responsive. And I remember going in there and just holding his hand and praying for him. And it was amazing. He opened his eyes and looked at me and obviously knew who I was, which was wonderful. And gradually he made a complete recovery. He comes to our church still. He's famous for a fantastic dance that he does. He just loves the Lord and is always dancing and everyone wants to join him when he dances. So that was a miracle because he could easily have died and uh, the doctors had to really work hard to give him the right medication to get him well again. Yeah, amazing, so, yeah, amazing. That was amazing. Any others? Yes, um, obviously we have a lot of children at the nutrition centre and one little girl that sticks in my mind is called Amina. Um, she's about eight years old, but she's very petite and has had a problem for years with malnutrition. 
So for about three years, she actually lived at the nutrition center with her mum and her younger brother until eventually she was well enough for them to be able to go to the nearby village. And we were able to set up her mum with a sewing machine and some fabric because she's a seamstress. And Amina was able to be taken care of and mm. she put weight on and, and was doing really well. So, And without the nutrition centre, but without the hand of God then? Yeah, then she'd have it, passed away. She would have done, yeah, yeah, it's true. In fact, we, we often have a problem because they bring children in late sometimes and it's very hard to save them all. So last year, about 8% of the children passed away, which was really sad, yeah. But of the percentage, so that leaves 92%. Yes, success rate. Success rate. Yeah, yeah. And many of those wouldn't survive without the nutrition centre. No, they? it's true. And if you think of the thousands of babies that have been touched, it's really saved their lives, definitely. Yes. Because just going to a hospital isn't what they need. They need nutritional advice yes. and the right sort of foods and the mothers need to be educated. Yes. Yeah. And for you and Ben, uh, answers to prayer where the Lord has answered your prayers? Uh, yes. I mean, God, God has been so faithful to us. Um, I mean, financially, when we first went, we weren't getting any salary at all. So we were living by faith. And God always provided for us. Yeah. In more recent years, the King's Village pays us a, a small salary. And we also get some income from the UK from people giving. Yeah. But it's a miracle how for 25 years, God has supported us yes. without a very big wage. And yes. he's always provided what we needed. Yes. So that's great. No, wonderful. No, yeah. really wonderful. So focusing in on you a little bit more, mm -hmm. did you ever think you would end up in Ghana married to a Ghanaian man living in a rural village. How did you picture your life when you were young, do you think? Um, I mean, I was brought up in Radlett in Hertfordshire, which is a quite a well-off area, very white area. Um, I went to a private school. Everyone was white. So, and we didn't really travel much. If we traveled, we would go to Suffolk where we had a holiday <laughs> home. So really it was out of my experience and and I, I did, you know, know. did you know any black people growing up at all? No, not until then I came to Nottingham and went to Trent Polytechnic. So then I met a lot of different people, which was great. Yes. And that broadened, broadened my outlook and helped me to make friends with loads of different people, which was great. And then I went to the Christian Centre as well, which was multicultural. Yes. Uh, but and I just wanted to travel then. So there were so various you've got a travel book somewhere. You've got a travel yeah. book somewhere. When I was more confident, but when I was younger, I didn't want to travel because I remember my friends when they were students, they wanted to go to Europe. I didn't want to. I wanted to just go home. <laughs> so it obviously so came in the holidays, later you on. just wanted to go home. Yeah, just be at home and relax. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, then after that, I looked at different opportunities to travel and I went to the Czech Republic, Guatemala, uh, Israel, and then eventually Ghana. But I never thought I would settle there. <laughs> and then you uh, met Ben on one of your trips. I did, yes. I met him on the first trip. But I thought he was much younger than me because he was still at university and I'd left like nine years. I'd been at work. Um, and we met, four of us came from the Christian Center. We met with people in Kamasi from his church, all through uh, Joy and Steve Lawn, who were English people who were based there. 
And then we all traveled up north together. And uh, during those 10 days, I just got to know everyone in the team, including Ben. And then afterwards, we were writing to each other and realized that we were the same age, which was How long amazing. did it take you to find that out? I think it was the end of that first trip. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just things happen at a different pace in Ghana. Yeah. Yes. And then I realized that we both had the same sort of calling and vision. Because when I was in Ghana, I realized that there were many children that needed teaching, um, that there weren't many churches, that the Dagomba people were an unreached people group, and not many Christians were working there. And God just started talking to me about going back. Um, so I went back for six weeks the following January and stayed at a church in Tamale at Bulpiala with uh, Reverend Imoro and then was going out to the village churches. And during that time, God really confirmed that I should come back because I'm a teacher. I was working with children at the Christian centers, my full-time job, going into schools, doing assemblies. And there were loads and loads of children in Ghana that needed teaching and help. So I guess yeah. education for you has always been a really key passion, hasn't it? Yes, education is so important. Yeah. If a child can't read and write, then it limits their future so much. Yes. Yeah. And then you had a, a real desire, I guess, to go and work amongst uh, a people group that know very little about Jesus. Yes, that's right. And where does that come from? Because you, you chose a very rural area. I just, I like, I've always liked the countryside because yes. as children we would go to Suffolk, which was very rural. Yes. And I like having space to think. I like trees. I like animals. <laughs> so it just seemed a nice place and everyone was friendly. I loved children. People were very open to us sharing with them. Yes. Um, but I realized they didn't like the animal puppets that I had. They prefer people which is a difference from here. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't so, like the animal puppets? No, they don't. They didn't really. Because here I would use animals and, you know, give them personalities. But there they prefer people, stories about people. Fascinating. Yeah. And then I've heard the story before, but then you had your first date with Ben without really knowing it was a date. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been writing for about a year and a half and getting to know each other. And we'd seen each other a few times. And then it was Christmas time. So I went to Kamasi, stayed with friends. And one day he turned up in the car outside with his brother, his mum, his sister. And they were all looking me up and down. And I thought, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> then they, they took me to the family house and I got to know them more. And then he took me to the cultural centre in Kamasi and proposed to me. And that was it, really. I mean, I was 32, so, and I'd been praying for 12 years for a husband. Yes. And God had already told me that if Ghana was right, then, you know, this guy was probably right because we had the same vision. The cultural yeah. difference, though, for yeah, the first date yes, to have the family, very different. that must have been, and still must be, uh, culturally eye opening, really. Yeah, I mean, everything's different. I mean, my family was the total opposite, but I'm quite adaptable. And they're all lovely. I mean, he's one of eight, and they're all just lovely people. Yeah. Yes, because Ghana really has been your home since... Yeah, now for 25 years I've been there, so it's, it's home, yeah. Yes, amazing. Yeah. Uh, your family didn't necessarily find it easy at first. No, uh, my dad, it took him time to adjust to it. 
and uh, he said, oh, the Clustons don't do very well in Africa because his own father had gone there during the war and got Blackwater fever and, and was very sick and had to come back. And then he had a weak heart for his lifetime, uh, but he actually trained to be a doctor and did very well for himself. And then he, he named various other relatives, <laughs> but he saw that I was very set on going and he realized times have changed medically. You know, now we can treat malaria very easily. Um, and also my brother was married to an Indian lady, Rina, yes. a few years before. So I think that prepared him for changes. By then my mother had passed away, but I think she would have been quite happy about me going. Obviously a bit fearful about health issues. Yes. But in her side of the family, there have been missionaries for many years. So, um, yeah, so it was interesting. Yes. <laughs> and over time, uh, your dad got used to the idea. Yeah, yeah. He used to write every Monday. He would write me a letter. Every month he would send £100 to help <laughs> with our finances. And then at, at our wedding, he came and just played his part, paid for everything. I mean, he was a real blessing to us. Yes. Yeah. But a real journey for him. Yeah, it was a journey for him, but he, he came through really well. Yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away just before Beth was born, like a year before. Yes. But, uh, but he knew we were settled and doing good things there. So I think he was happy. Yes. Yeah. And the... Uh, so you've been in Ghana for 25 years. You didn't envisage yourself ending up in anything like this life. No, not really. Yeah. And... Uh, there's clearly a sacrifice involved for anybody who lives for God. Yes. And almost when people have the level of fruit that you and Ben have had, mm -hmm. there's often a backstory of sacrifice. Yes. Seems to be the way of following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a moment around how that's been for you. And then also sort of that, that idea, is God still worth it? What have been some of the biggest challenges for you? Yeah, I think uh, financially we've always you know, think, thought, well, well, do we have enough to keep coming and going and supporting our family and everything? But God has always been faithful. And whenever we've needed anything, it's like even before we ask, sometimes God provides. So, so that's been good. I mean, when, when I first went to Ghana, I sold a bigger house and brought a smaller one which which has been helpful really um, um other challenges were like the education of our children i mean beth is now 19 and joshua's 12 but in the early days we were in a very remote setting um i was heading the school and we realized that beth had some difficulties with reading and we weren't actually able to test her until she was 10 and then we realized that she's dyslexic um, but over time, she's really persevered. She's been all the way through our school. And now it's, it's a miracle how things have turned out because now the road from our where we live to Tamale has been tarmacked. And we send a car every day with her and Joshua to an international school that we found there that actually does the British curriculum, which I never would have imagined. So that has really taken a lot of pressure off us. But at a certain time, when she was like 10, 11, 12, I was concerned about how we were going to educate her and, and help her to do her best. And now she's doing A-levels, 
and Joshua's in year eight and it's it's working really well. So mm. that's that was a real answer to prayer. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But there is a cost. There's a cost. Yeah, there There's is a, a cost. cost because, I mean, they're in smaller classes and we have to pay for it. Mm. They, they're all Ghanaians, apart from one girl who's a Cuban. Mm. Um, so it's a cost for them as well. Although they like being with us, I think sometimes they would like to spend more time in the UK and get to know how things work here better, which I'm sure they'll have opportunity to in the future. Yes. Um, and then things like when people get married or there are funerals, it's not always easy to come to, to be a part of those things. Yes. Although I've just come from my aunt's funeral and that, that worked out okay. Yes. But in the past, it hasn't been easy <laughs> to no. keep in touch with family things. Yeah. Thousands. And, and yeah. it's just worth noting, you do have the internet, thank God. Yes. But yes. it's not great, is it? No, but it's better. I mean, when, yes. we, when we first went, we didn't have any. We had to take our laptop to Tamale, plug it into the phone line, and then it would just like let a few emails go through and that was it. So communication has improved so much. And things were a lot easier now than 25 years ago. Yes. But it was a risk going, I mean, health-wise as well. For a long time, we were trying for a child and nothing was happening. So that was a concern. Um, but, you know, God has blessed us now with two children, so it's great. Yes. Yeah. I think you minimise some of the challenges, Mary. Like when, <laughs> well, we, when we visited you last year, uh, you had malaria yourself. I did, yeah. <laughs> you had yeah, malaria I yourself. Um, yeah, sometimes. Uh, I think you were on the tail end of the recovery, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I had. Yeah, I think the day before I'd been in bed the whole day and I was just trying to get through the course of medicine. And then I was okay. I mean, another thing is people always pop in. Like in Ghana, you don't make appointments. So people will just be coming to the house all the time, which can be tiring. So sometimes I have to be the bouncer to protect Ben from all the visitors. Yes. <laughs> um, generally, we try and send people to the office rather than the house so that yes. we have a break. Yes. Yeah. It's probably just worth mentioning as well, you employ over 200 people at the we King's We do, Village. yeah. So, so as well as being known yes. in the wider community with lots of people, yes. you've got staff, you've got a team of people. Obviously yeah, we have great, a team. But, but yeah. there's still quite a high level of demand on yes. your time and, and that type of thing. Yeah. But, but there'll be people listening to this and they won't be thinking about going to be a missionary overseas, but they'll know that following Jesus is going to cost them something. Yes. And I think uh, from the sacrifice that you've given, the life you've lived, what would you say to them? If they were to ask you, is Jesus worth it? What would you say to them? He's definitely worth it because he knows you as a person. He knows what's best for you. And he has a, a specific plan for you that only you can do because God gives us different gifts. I mean, I didn't know I would end up in Ghana, but he's using the gifts that I have. And, you know, he has a plan for your life and he, he will never leave you or let you down. He always provides everything that you need and gives you a network. I mean, over the years, we've had so many people standing with us and being with us and helping us. I mean, yes, there are sometimes difficult times, but that's when you rely on God and you know that he's with you. And I think my very difficult time was even before I went, when my mother passed away when I was 23, that was hard. Yes. But that, God brought me through that and helped me to rely on him more. And he just wants us to be obedient and willing to serve him. 
And once we make those steps and show that we really want to give our lives to him, he'll open up doors and opportunities for us mm. and help us to be a blessing. Yeah, and this could sound really rude. I really don't mean it that way. <laughs> but what you and Ben have done is, is truly remarkable and clearly called by God and anointed by him. And yet there's an ordinariness about the pair of you. Yeah, we are ordinary. <laughs> yeah, we are. I mean, we like having a laugh and yeah. joking. I mean, you can't be too serious about things yes. because you have to survive and, and keep going. I mean, there's a lot of tragedy around us sometimes. Yeah. But instead of looking at like the one child that passes away, which is, is sad, you have to also look at the 20 others who are blossoming and healed or the thousands others that are now living a normal life so i think you have to focus on the positive and and keep encouraging yourself that the little things you do are actually making a difference i remember when i first went to ghana i felt i wasn't doing anything i was just sitting there and maybe going to the school occasionally but i heard god said to me just being here is the work you know sometimes you just have to be somewhere and get to know people without making yourself do lots of work. God just wants you to be there, chill out, know his peace, and then he'll use you and people will come to you as well. So, yeah, I mean, we're just ordinary people and God can use anyone as long as they're just willing to be used by him. Because I watch when uh, preachers like me and will say that God has got a plan for your life, I can see the cogs in everybody's heads thinking, I sort of believe that, but what is it, please? Yes, you know, so, exactly. So, so how can people uh, find God's plan for their lives? How mm -hmm. does that work for people? Um, I think we're all different. The main thing is that you make sure you spend time with God every day. Read your Bible, pray, and just say, well, Lord, I'm available. Speak to me and show me what my gifts are, how you want me to help in the church. I mean... Someone should be very committed to their home church because that's where you learn everything. When I was at the Christian Centre, I was involved with everything, very involved with the children's work. And you just start with doing little things and trying to be a servant to encourage and help those around you. And then God sort of takes you from one step to another. Um, so just be willing to serve, be willing to support your pastor, spend time with God on your own encourage your family around you. I mean, if you're a family person and you have children, then your main responsibility is to input into their lives, bring them up to love God. And if you're married, you and your partner, you should be encouraging each other, praying with each other. And then God will just take you on a journey step by step. No, very helpful. And uh, obviously as a network of churches, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the person and the guiding and the leading and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And uh, for you and Ben and your church uh, and your lives in Ghana, how does that work for you, the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Yeah, we, I mean, we need the Holy Spirit all the time. We pray together as a family and we also pray as a staff every morning and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Mm. Um, as a staff also will go and pray for the sick in the hospital or for the children in the nutrition center. 
and at church as well. We, we just need the Holy Spirit to guide us. I mean, sometimes we'll be praying and God will just lay a person on our hearts to go and see or to go and pray for. And, and that's how gentle the Holy Spirit is. He'll just put someone on your heart and then maybe you'll go and talk to that person and he'll gently lead you and, and guide you. And I guess uh, coming towards the end, so you look back now over 23 years, has it been easier or harder than you'd expected when you set out? Did you have any idea? Oh, I had no idea really. <laughs> I think the, looking back, the first probably 10 years were very hard. But because we were in it and just kept going, you know, now it's, it's easier because we have more people supporting us. We have a great NG network and a, a UK-based charity. We have teams from all over the world visiting us. We have more staff supporting us. To start with, it was just the two of us, really. So it was hard. <laughs> but, but God sees you through, you know. I think we can all, always look back in hindsight. But at the time, we were just determined to keep going and do our best, really. And uh, if people want to pray for you, what would you say are the two or three things that they can pray for? Yeah, I mean, pray for health and strength. Uh, pray for our managers that they will be able to deal with their staff really well and do their jobs well so that we don't have so much of a burden on ourselves. Um, pray for our children, for Elizabeth and Joshua, that God would bless them where they are and use them as well to do great things in the future. Pray for us as we finish the maternity unit, which is nearly there. And also for all the children and the people. I mean, we have over 500 people coming every day to the King's Village. We want them all to hear the gospel and to get an opportunity to respond. And for the church to be strongly established where we are. So pray that more people will become Christians. We work mainly with the Dagomba people and 77% of them are Muslim, which they mix with their traditional beliefs. So we really want to pray for viable churches in every village where people can hear the word of the Lord and find salvation. Yeah, and a new generation of children as they come through our school, that they would do very well in their education and also want to be Christians. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Marion, thank you. As I said, find out more at tkvg.org.uk. Uh, we pray every success on you. May the King's thank Village you. go from strength to strength and may more lives be saved, changed, uh, more health in the whole area. We think you're doing an amazing work. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the NG Church Network podcast and conversation. We are passionate about capturing authentic experiences of ordinary lives impacted by an extraordinary God. To find out more about our network, please check out www.ngchurchnetwork.org.uk.